0: Is the Enneagram bullshit? That's the question I'm exploring with Annie Diamond on a special issue of Ask Science Mike. you got questions, he's got answers. Even though he may not understand, he'll talk anyway. you got problems, he won't solve them. But he'll talk and talk and talk until he's blue in the face. Science, faith, and life. Welcome to Ask Science Mike, the weekly podcast where I answer your questions about science, faith, and life with absolutely no qualifications whatsoever. I'm your host, Mike McCarg, and this week with me is a special guest, Annie Diamond, who's an actual expert in the Enneagram. And we're gonna talk to all you skeptics this week and figure out if it's a thing worth paying attention to or not. I don't know, could be fun, what do you say? Let's get it started. All right, as I mentioned, really weird show this week. One of those amazing episodes where it's not just me talking, which are actually my favorite. Believe it or not, even though I love the sound of my voice, I do get tired of listening to it exclusively. But I want to let you know a couple of things coming up calendar-wise where we could see each other. First of all, September the 25th, that's coming up real soon after this episode drops. I'm hosting a free webinar called Making Your Mark for people who aspire to do creative platform work, mainly centered around education or advocacy. So that's going to be September 25th from 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific. You can uh, learn more by going to asksciencemike.com and then clicking the events button where you can sign up for that. It is completely free. Uh, We have some really exciting news in Liturgist Gathering World. In addition to London, which you knew about October 5th and 6th, Tickets now are on sale for Minneapolis on November 16th and 17th, and Nashville on November 30th and December 1st. So the Liturgist Gathering is tons of fun. Uh, They pretty consistently sell out, so don't wait too long to grab your ticket. Uh, You can learn more by going to theliturgistgathering.com. And then October 17th, I'll be in Placentia, 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 California, I don't know how to say it, uh, for an Ask Science Mike Live. So, if you're in the OC or LA area, I sure would love to see you at Ask Science Mike Live. And uh, October 26th and 27th, I'll be at Evolving Faith, which is hosted by Rachel Held Evans and Sarah Bessie. I think there are tickets on StubHub. Uh, in all seriousness, it is so way sold out. <laughs> and then November 3rd, uh, really excited about this in Greeley, Colorado. I'm doing a two-day conference on centering prayer. So if you'd like to get more into the practical application of mysticism, if you'd like to see ways that uh, spirituality can not only provide peace, but help you live in harmony with others, I'd love to see you in Greeley, Colorado for that conference. But enough rambling about road dates. Let's talk to Annie. So, a strange thing happened in my life. Uh, I was the host of a pretty popular podcast, exploring issues of everyday life through the lenses of science, art, and faith. And then we shifted into a lot of conversations about justice and equality, and those were our most popular episodes ever. And then we hosted an episode with Ian Cron and Susan Stabile on the Enneagram, and it became the most popular episode of the Liturgist podcast by over a million downloads so since there's so much enneagram mania my friend annie diamond is here and we're going to talk a little bit about the enneagram Uh, annie if you want to say hello so they know your voice hello hi annie's voice is hopefully obviously different than mine so you can keep track throughout the episode of (laughs) who is who and we did a video course together for The Liturgists. Yes, we did. About the Enneagram. So if you haven't seen that, you can go to some URL, dot com something, and you can see that course. But we're going to talk about something much more pressing today, in my opinion, especially for all of you skeptics in the Science Mike audience. The question I have for you today, Annie, is the Enneagram bullshit?
1: Well... No, but I'm just saying it because I want to keep my job. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. Why do you ask? That's my question.
0: Oh, because I'm so... I tweeted, I think, the best summary of my feelings about the Enneagram, where I said me, the Enneagram is non-scientific, non-rigorous, but sometimes helpful understanding of the self and community. Also me, all caps are these people reading my thoughts and or personal diary? So there's like a real dichotomy with me in that when I interrogate the Enneagram through an empiricist lens or a critical lens, uh, it, it seems to evaporate in the light of scrutiny. But when I use it to look at ways I'm stuck or hung up in life or difficult relationships with other people, I often find really helpful insights that help me like cope and help me not just cope but come to a resolution with people in a way yeah. that is as palatable to them as it is to me. So whenever I talk about the Enneagram there are it's it's a strange dichotomy uh, Of course, most of the liturgist audiences just loves the Enneagram without reservation but uh, I think it's about a 50 50 split. In science, Mike land between the Enneagram is like some ultimate understanding of humanity, (laughs) yeah, or as bad, if not worse, than horoscopes. And there's no, yeah, (laughs) there's Uh, nobody like thread in the middle there. Oh,
1: I understand. Yeah, (laughs) trust me. I make my work in this. Um, yeah, I guess I have a lot to say, but the first question I have is what else in your life is not scientifically verified or empirically verified that you find to be valuable god yeah (laughs) but what like uh, what about for people who don't believe in god because because the risk is that we say that everything not empirically valuable or validated is not valuable Mm. and i love empirical validation i find it to be really important i also find it to be really important that people be able to get into sort of what their life feels like to to be able to interact with the enneagram well Mm. i don't think anyone should take the enneagram hook line and sinker as an idea as like some validated idea that then they need to just incorporate without feeling around in their life sensing the actual data of their life and experience whether that's yeah scientifically or not so i guess for me there are things like like when i look at the idea of meaning science gives a lot of how answers i mean i'm not a scientist so please step in but science (laughs) provides so many hows um and that's really important um but the the why um is not necessarily something that science is trying to answer um for everything some things i think functionally it, science has a lot of functional answers for why um but then when you get to things like consciousness and we're just not quite sure what the what's the function how do you talk about consciousness in a functional way um then Then we start to have institutes at University of Arizona, like the Center for Consciousness Studies or whatever, which are interdisciplinary because we're in a purely phenomenological stage with this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like we are taking all of our resources as humans, which are not just the scientific method. We have other ways of knowing, ways of assuming, ways of orienting ourselves towards understanding that are not just the scientific method that help us make sense or move towards making sense of our experience. So, I think it's weird. I I think people have more going on when they say, oh, it's not scientific. It's not scientifically valid. I'm like, okay, yeah, certainly. But also, there's lots of other reasons to be skeptical, which is weird. I want to, like, I would rather push, push back on that and say, well, I don't really care if it's 100% scientifically valid because think about everything that wasn't scientifically valid before we researched it. Like, Mm. things are not scientifically valid until we take them through a process. But we don't take things through a process until we go through the phenomenology of that thing. Like, we...
0: Heliocentrism was intuitive before it was rigorous.
1: Yeah. And everything, that's, that's how we know as humans. I think that's part of the human knowledge system. We don't bring things up into our what I would call thinking center, which is hilarious <laughs> <Like> hilarious <laughs> from a scientific perspective, but we don't take things to the analyzation, figuring it out, testing it, um, unless we A, want to, um, and B, have that want because we're in relationship with something that we're noticing, that we're sensing in our environment. And so I think we're we're in a sensing, we're in a we're in a sensing mode. We're in a maybe not scientific, but figuring it out mode with the Enneagram. I mean, it's new. It's really new. Um, and so I guess I say all of this not to prove that it's scientifically valid, but to say, sure, I think there's parts of it that will become scientifically valid at some point. But that doesn't feel like a critique that holds up in a if you live in time. Mm. <laughs> like, mm. a. There are so many things that aren't scientifically valid yet because we just haven't studied them. And yeah, so I guess to me, part of being human and part of like a full bodied cognition is to before you can sort of test something, test it in your own experience Hmm. before we can bring it out into the world and all test it together. Why not engage it in a? And if, and the question of why not to engage it is what's interesting here, like, because that's where the skepticism comes from. And that is more than just, it's not scientifically valid. I think that's, it's connected. That's connected to other things. Like, are we afraid of engaging things that we don't know everything about? Mm. Like, or, or for a lot of people, and I don't know that these are your listeners, but, There's a lot of good reasons to be afraid of engaging the Enneagram if you've experienced life with people who love the Enneagram.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's actually what I was about to ask. I wonder, like you mentioned, it's newness, which that's another thing with me and the Enneagram, like, there's so many different stories about how old it is and where it came from. Um, But astrology has been around a little while. Like, yeah, you know, arguably probably as long as language, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, skeptical people don't really rage at horoscopes because it's just background noise. Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. But I wonder if it's like the sudden emergence of the Enneagram as such a popular topic is what's like the reticence from skeptics is not even necessarily that this is not scientific, but this is a new form of...
1: Like pseudoscience? Woo
0: or pseudoscience yeah. or non-rigorous thinking. You know, I had one person after an event uh, who was the head of a atheist society at a university. Mm. He said, I don't like you talking about the Enneagram for the same reason I don't like you talking about Christianity. He said, mm. I'm fine with the way you approach the Enneagram and the way you approach Christianity, but I don't think that's the way your audience approaches it. Huh. <laughs> Which I don't agree with. Which is but also that's a common I mean, criticism. I to me,
1: that's really interesting that you should approach things like other people approach them. Um, well,
0: so I, the, the 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 part of the skeptical community that I am sympathetic with, and the reason I in fact call myself a skeptic, is this tension between exploration via lived experience and exploration via the scientific method. Most of the time doesn't matter in daily living but when it does approaching things to lived experience in one community leads people to say scientific conclusions about climate change are incorrect yeah so yeah, absolutely um so that what I what I what I think is happening among skeptics is they view the enneagram as a harmless symptom of a deeper problem yeah. So that there there are I think that there are personally helpful and socially responsible ways to engage in non scientific lines of inquiry. So the the things that I'll like go that I'll really make a stand on in public tend to be things that I have pretty rigorous information to back up. But science, uh one of the its But you're also putting
1: them in a value system.
0: Well, that's what I was about to say. So, science can't make moral judgments or offer that. So, I am passing that through a non-scientific process of ascribing value to these data points. So, I have decided I don't like suffering. So, causing other people to suffer is unethical just based on I don't like to suffer. And so, when I look at climate change the reason i say this is important is because of the impact on human life and suffering but that's not a scientific conclusion that's like basically a humanistic conclusion yeah. but like you have to have a ethical framework to operate in the world right um but then there's other things like i am a spiritual person so i have all of these spiritual beliefs but I'm way less likely to. So, from a policy matter, I'm fine passing a law that whether you like it or not limits your capacity to pollute with carbon. Yeah, I just, just just for I just I don't care when I do the math for future generations. This it's just the same way I'm fine passing a law that says you can't stab someone else, you can't dump as much carbon or pollution as you wanted to. The atmosphere, um, and so I'll put, lean into that with policy. This intersection of science and what I've deemed to be kind of a reasonable ethic, but I wouldn't pass a law about people have to pray like I pray. They, uh like I'm not going to pass a, a centering prayer law yeah. that we start every baseball game with eight minutes of contemplative silence, right? <laughs> Because that's like a thing that I found personally helpful, but and even though there actually is research that shows centering prayer is good for the brain and all these other kinds of things. You see what I mean? Like we're yeah. moving further and further from knowledge that I will lean into the public square with. And so I think the healthy way for me to approach the Enneagram is gosh, this is really helpful sometimes. Um And so I'll use it when it's helpful, but I'm also going to be careful not to get fixated on it or obsessed with it. Or for someone like me who used to have like a really rigorous theology, have it be like my new...
1: Evangelical tool.
0: Yeah, like my new band-aid for loss of that certainty I once held.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to say. Um, I guess I wonder about the Enneagram and control from all sides. So the people who want to rigorously keep it out, um, again, I'll just say I want to know why, and I think it's not scientifically valid isn't enough unless scientific validation is your ultimate good, in which case it makes it really hard to live in the tension of the world because how do you even do research if that... If, you, if things have to be scientifically valid, how do you conduct research about them? Um, there's no space for not knowing. Um, and so I think for the skeptics, I think those are the most interesting people to have engaged the Enneagram because they go in um, and can be surprised there um, in interesting ways. Um, but in on the other side of that just like you you said how you hold it sometimes in my work i encounter people who are obsessed with enneagram in a very particular way so um some people love it i and i love it i think it's really helpful it's an an incredible um set of nine stories really 27 stories i'm into i'm into the (laughs) subtype the instinctual subtypes um
0: I actually really like those as well.
1: Yeah. Um, But it can become a, there's a certain amount of control in that way too, like using the Enneagram as a way to explain everything and explaining everything becomes the problem. Explaining why the Enneagram doesn't fit reality or does fit all of reality and being obsessed with the Enneagram as an explanation instead of, Um, an invitation to explore the reality of what's going on inside of you and between you and other people. Um, And it's hard to hold things that we're not sure about as invitations or as interesting possibilities. Um, And so exerting control in either direction, either to extricate and I would say like I'm not a huge horoscope person I'm not a horoscope person I know very little about it Um, but people's fear of the horoscope is really I mean I understand that it's associated with um, kind of uh, anti-realism like oh you can just believe whatever is whatever (laughs) Um, but I think our deep fear is that we can't control how people use information like we can't control that Um, people might find something helpful in something non-scientifically verified. And we can't control that scientifically verified things or things that science creates can be used in really evil ways. So like in every direction, we have a crisis of meaning, I think. Um, And so we have stand-ins. We make the Enneagram a stand-in for meaning. Like, oh, I have, like, this makes sense of my world or like, this doesn't make sense of the world. And I think it's a problem in either direction. Mm. Like, and and by problem, I mean we're deeply vulnerable to needing security. And there are really sneaky ways that our brain works to get us secure and we don't even know what's happening. And that's okay. <laughs> um, but it needs to be talkaboutable. Hmm. And that's why I think the skeptic is an important person because the skeptic brings up the question we, and the problem. Um, and then we just have to get really specific about why we're skeptical. And I think I'm skeptical of just the simple, well, it's not scientifically valid. I think there's a lot of reasons to be skeptical of that. Mm. Um, while still maintaining that scientific validity is really important. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. I mean, so if science is a system wherein we assign confidence to beliefs, which I think is a reasonable and succinct description of science. I like that. Um, There are a lot of beliefs I have that I can't ascribe much scientific confidence to that help me navigate the world. So if I think of like a big spectrum, and on the far left hand side of the spectrum is harry potter which is a very non rigorous map of human behavior one woman wrote it and it's literally fiction and then slightly to the right of that you have like myers brig type indicator which people love talk about myers brig that isn't that is a super when it the unlike the enneagram the myers brig has actually been tested a lot by social scientists it has a real reproducibility problem so when people are assessed for myers Briggs, their type changes in ways the model says it's not possible i
1: have three types
0: exactly there you go (laughs) i've always been enfj which drives me crazy uh and then yeah although the e keeps dropping um
1: you're an f uh, okay i'm sorry i just wow can we take one of those tests after this
0: we absolutely can so that, so you've got Harry Potter, and then just to the right, it's a little more rigorous but not much, Myers-Briggs. Then you take a big jump over to the far right of the spectrum, and you get something like behavioral economics. And behavioral economics is a very rigorous model for exploring human behavior. It basically, if you do these things, people will probabilistically respond in these ways. Um. It does not tell you why at all. Right. There's no theory. It's literally just like, well, we've measured these things. Then we go further to the right from behavioral economics. We might get to biology.
1: Wait, can we stop for a second? I think one of the, just on that spectrum, I think one of the problems with how people hold the Enneagram is that they're still holding it in a behaviorist model. And so they're like, we haven't verified that it's true, but... but so much of our verification comes through the behavioral sciences and the Enneagram is not a predictor of behavior. Mm -hmm. It's, it's a, and this is the difficulty. It names our deep nine different deep vulnerabilities that we have, um, and invites us into nine, but then billions, depending on what your specific story is, ways of engaging our freedom from within that vulnerability. And so the difficulty is that you can't predict whether or not people will engage like their capacity to jump onto another neural pathway. And it's really hard to predict from a systems perspective in a human life with a the diversity of history and trauma. And these categories help, but they have to be inserted into another whole story so you're combining stories so how to do the research you would need and to get the control that you would need in an experiment to talk about how the whole system works and actually that is aimed at helping there be more play in the system
0: Hmm.
1: like that's gonna be really hard to test i mean i i do there is there is work being done um on some of the like levels of the enneagram um different slices but and that are more behavioral but the problem is that the enneagram isn't really aimed at being behaviorally predictive Mm. in fact working with the enneagram you hope like i hope as i work with it that i won't see patterns i'm looking always for meaningful deviations in these patterns and i see them all the time and so i find it to be in a sense i while I it corresponds to reality for me in ex, all the experiences I've had with people, I'm also like not very hopeful that there's going to be really meaningful scientific validation with the Enneagram. Like uh, there are people doing work in the different centers of intelligence, like we've talked about, and like talking about these three centers: the head, heart, and gut, which you've given helpful names in the brain. If you want to <laughs> say?
0: I I don't remember. Oh, uh, the
1: core. Cortis-
0: Cortical. That'd be the the cortical, the limbic, and the hindbrain, maybe?
1: That was... I don't remember if that's what you said. Anyway, watch the Linergist <laughs> uh, video series if you want to see us get into this. But we're not really getting into the specifics of the Enneagram today. It's more about, like, philosophy of. And I think I have a skepticism, just like everyone else, that this is going to be scientifically validated. But my skepticism comes from the inherent complexity of the system and how long it would take for that to happen. Um, And also, I feel really aware of, through witnessing, the freedom people have to deviate from the system. And that's why I do it. Like, the hope is that we're not trapped by our category, right? Um, And it gives tools for ways to engage ourselves so that we aren't. Or ideas or ways of holding ourselves. So, anyway, I just think one of the big problems that I see in that particular skeptic, the particular skepticism that says like it's not scientifically validated, is that often that's coming from uh, overemphasis on what we're taught through the behavioral sciences. And I think there's other ways of testing, um, but that's. That's just me. I mean, that said, though, one of the main, the guy I learned the Enneagram from who recently died, David Daniels, um, was a doctor and a professor of psychiatry and behavioral sciences at University of Stanford, Stanford University. Um, So it's not that these aren't, this isn't a part of the conversation. It certainly is. And behaviors are a big part of who we are, Um, but it's not. It's not everything. And it's weird to be human and to live with a consciousness that makes us both feel this metaphysical freedom and also deeply vulnerable to what our body's doing and what our, like everything, even in ways we can't think about or that we're not actively aware of, we're hugely vulnerable as well. So the categories. Help us name ways we're vulnerable and engage our freedom. Yeah.
0: I guess that's what I appreciate about the Enneagram. Because Myers-Briggs dresses itself up in rigorous language and pretends to be rigorous when it's not. Yes. And the Enneagram doesn't pretend to be fundamentally a child of the sciences at all um
1: well i mean i will say it did in the 70s when it when it came to berkeley um it came by way of claudio naranjo who merged it with modern psychology right and so it did enter into like psychology circles but those are deeply embedded and and the tool with the tool came from a um a spiritual like a more of like a spiritual archetype history and of course there's lots of contested origin stories but um it was deeply spiritual from the start as well mm. and so that's one of the things i really appreciate um about the enneagram is it is in a sense very interdisciplinary it's bringing together all these different ways of knowing and being interested in them mm. and utilizing them. Um, And yeah, there is a skepticism from the Enneagram community, um, not necessarily an anti-realism, but a skepticism that all we are is like that there's no meaning, that there's no real reason to be working with uh, the freedom that we have. Mm. Like there's a real hopefulness um, about being a human while also acknowledging a deep vulnerability Mm. and being really specific about the vulnerabilities. And I appreciate that because that's just what it's like to be human. That's what it, it's just a helpful way of navigating the phenomenological experience of being a person. Anyway, I interrupted your, you were talking, you were, you had gotten to, uh, you went to behavioral sciences. I think that
0: ship has sailed. All right. right.
1: All right. Well, I just, I think, I just do think that that's important that we know. And from the start that if this is about predicting behaviors, then we've lost the helpfulness. Mm. of the tool itself. Um, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't need to correspond to reality, which is why I think we need to hold it in a very particular way and have really good language around how to hold it. Mm. The root of the skepticism is also around, right, how people hold it. And a lot of people have, and probably not your, your listeners are probably not thinking about it in the same way, but um, a lot of people have been deeply hurt by the Enneagram. It's almost like at a par- at a party, you know, someone walks in who knows the Enneagram really well. And all of a sudden, they're like the magician, like, who's like, oh, you've seen a rabbit disappear. Watch me. Watch me make you disappear by putting you in this box, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, right. And then and so then maybe that's not hurtful to you, but you've watched it be really hurtful and annoying. And so you're like, no, not interested. Or maybe it was really hurtful. And it took you, someone was trying to connect or solve a problem in a relationship, and all they did was disconnect you by making you into information to be sorted and fixed.
0: Or as I've so often seen, person X assumes they are type Y, and their friends believe they are type Z. And so people basically use this system to assault someone's conception of self. Yeah. Which I find really to be not a great practice.
1: Right. Yeah. So there,
0: It's like, like whatever you, whatever, whatever of the types you believe yourself to be, to, to me, that's a big part of the system. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, if you can mistype yourself.
1: Uh, yeah, the process of coming to type, I think is really interesting. I, so I teach in the narrative tradition. And in my tradition, we do typing interviews. So I'll sit with someone for an hour and a half or two hours and just ask them a lot of questions about their relationship with their world and with themselves and with security and anger and worth and all kinds of questions. And I I find the time to be interesting and helpful, and and I don't even talk about the Enneagram for most of that time um, because the, s- the sorting and the um, ex- inner exploration is really interesting. And then at the end, I actually don't tell them what type they are. I say, oh, your language and what I'm hearing today, um, I can hear this type and this type and maybe this type, and here's why, why don't you go... Um, look through, see how kind of the story of the type fits with your experience of yourself. And for some people, that's a lot more profound than others. Some people have, and especially some cultures have, and subcultures have better language that resonates with certain people over other people. Um, but I find that that process of self-selection is the important process, which I think differentiates it from like a Myers Briggs or a horoscope. On on two other ends, it's saying like, well, this is what your behavior indicates. But with the Enneagram, it's more, oh, interesting. I've had a lot of questions about why I act like this or why I can't um, seem to access what I feel in any given social situation or whatever And the Enneagram might help provide helpful language for that person to talk about why or to explore even more deeply why. And so to me, I guess fear about that is really interesting. Like, because it's just a process of exploration. And so I think you you can bring your skepticism right on into that. You can explore your skepticism in that. Like, why the skepticism? Um, so I guess, to me, it doesn't feel like a There are lots of things to be skeptical about in the world. And I don't, to me, it doesn't feel like such a threatening thing unless we're putting, unless the Enneagram is a stand in for everything that's not scientifically valid already, or unless the Enneagram is a stand in for any kind of personality tests that you haven't enjoyed in the past or it and so i think there's lots of reasons again to be closed down to it but i think it's the most interesting part of that is why we're closed down to them because then we can start making interesting statements too about what we value and so why is it that we wouldn't value the enneagram that's an interesting question or what kind of answers or what kind of questions does the enneagram not answer that's interesting you know but we can't really get into those unless we believe the skeptic. Unless we hear the skeptic saying, mm. like, no, there's something wrong here. Great. What is actually wrong? Is it personal? Is it social? Is it a matter of value? I think those are all really interesting interesting questions. And I, would, and I love the skeptic in my workshops is my favorite person. Mm because there like i said there's a scary other side to this where you get so distanced from yourself because you're like yes 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 and now the enneagram is me. And you're like wait. What? <laughs> or like the enneagrams answering question i'm just stretching the enneagram to answer any question. Um and that's scary to me.
0: I see that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. When yeah. it becomes people's like grand unified theory of humanity.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's become really overwhelming to me to work in communities where, um, it's the only thing anyone can talk about. Um, because for me, that's often a signal of being really like distanced from the self mm. and from the other people. Like, um, I'm sure those of you who are a part of communities that know things about the Enneagram, you have been in a group of people where there's like a polarity, you know, one person's really excited to talk about it and interpret everything. (laughs) And then there's clearly people shutting down who like, don't want to talk about it for any number of reasons. But then someone continues to just talk about it and only talk about it. And there's a problem there too. Like, not being awake to what's actually going on in a situation. With tools like this, um, I think you have to be so discerning. And yeah, I mean, I guess discernment is a part of, for me, there's a real spirituality to discernment. So make of that (laughs) what anyone will, but there's a listening that needs to happen on multiple levels in a situation. Um, And the Enneagram has surely been misused and used in ways that are totally not discerning. Um, but then our rejection sometimes can be not discerning as well. Mm. Mm. And I'm inserting like my values here, right? But I, we have to. Um, and this is the, this is the scary piece. You, anything can become destruction, like can be destructive without discerning and i just don't think science is the only way we discern (laughs) right it doesn't give us a prioritization process science doesn't provide how we prioritize information always it might in some instances Um, and so for the skeptic it's just important to notice as we're being skeptical what are we prioritizing and why
0: Mm. yeah i think there's a real shortcoming in skeptical communities to assume skepticism is an inherently rational and unbiased process
1: (laughs) yeah and i mean i guess that's part of the reason to reject the enneagram because what it's about is about our biases and how we posture ourselves towards the world and what we need to feel secure in our posture Hmm. so is it the security of scientific knowledge that we need okay other people need other things Right, and I suppose I could get really like functional about this, but like, why privilege scientific knowledge over anything else? Like, why not privilege just relationships? It's like life is just about like being in loving relationships and feeling good in those relationships, or um, about life is just about like contribution, like what I contribute to the world, and and why say that any of those are better or worse like how how could we ever ask or have interesting conversations where we say no I actually think your way of seeing the world is like missing this piece or whatever but
0: (laughs) sorry I was just imagining thinking or saying that to someone
1: well no but (laughs) but right I mean
0: that's my own baggage
1: yeah but think about like what you do here like you wouldn't you wouldn't be sharing the riches of your internal world with the world unless you felt like there was something important happening. Like you're doing something here and it has meaning. Mm -hmm. And you can tell a story about why it has meaning. And that doesn't mean you have to believe that the story is the story or the only story you can hold it differently, but without that ability to like, Yeah, that's not, I don't know that your story is scientifically verifiable, but it's true. Hmm. But that's scary because I would also say that there's other stories that are, yeah, like, obviously there's histories of, we want to be able to make judgments. We want to say, like, Nazi Germany is wrong. And the reasons, the, like, the hyper um, hopefulness of, like, what, and the sort of, like, progress mindedness of the Aryan race in Nazi Germany, that's wrong, right? We want to say that's wrong. But science doesn't, I would say, science doesn't give us a way of saying that. Would you say that that's true?
0: Yeah, science doesn't make moral judgments. Science doesn't make... Uh, measures of beauty uh science doesn't um tell you how to use scientific insight almost by design
1: yeah exactly (laughs) and that's good i mean that's good so i would just say exactly the science doesn't tell you how to use scientific insight i think that's really helpful in holding the enneagram because i think there's plenty of things that we can know scientifically about the human person Um, that correspond with what the Enneagram does. But the Enneagram's like, oh, and here's how we might use that insight. Here's ways we get stuck in using that insight. Here's the kind of insight certain people privilege over others. And here's some reasons people might do that. And it's providing reasons and stories. So it is not science. The Enneagram and engaging with the Enneagram is not a scientific process because it requires more than our thinking no, figuring it out, knowing.
0: That's where I was going with my spectrum is like past behavioral economics would be like biology and microbiology yeah. and physics ultimately. But an understanding of physics, although it is by far the field of science that probably produces the highest confidence conclusions, right? Like, do this to a proton. Yeah. This will happen this percentage of time. Yeah take it to the bank. It does not help me know what to do in a difficult conversation. Right? Even right. though it's like very rigorous knowledge. Mm. And behavioral economics really doesn't always either, although I am a person that have a very science guided approach to conversations, but Yeah, absolutely. Um like the the story that I find like most helpful in our current geopolitical climate is literally harry potter
1: <laughs> yeah. you know what i mean yeah and then, yeah
0: so there's something about navigating mythologies mm. and 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 a story structure that helps us make decisions um you know i think about the the parkland students and all the advocacy they do and how amazing it is students that young taking on that much ownership of the mm. public square yeah but they grew up on Harry Potter and the Hunger Games, yeah. and their protagonists stood up to unspeakable institutional evil, yeah. challenged, and prevailed. Yeah. So that that navigating mythology shapes them. And so I think why I am an Enneagram skeptic, but also an Enneagram user.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Believer. Uh, um uh.
0: Is you Is practice. Yeah, I'm a practitioner because yeah. of that capacity to be a helpful navigating mythology, something that is, in many ways, more accessible in day-to-day decisions. I mean, if you look at my bookshelf, there's not like a shortage of books up there on scientific insights about personality, cognition, emotional behavior, Um, and that's just... It's extensive. Yeah, and the Looking books up there are just this, yeah. like the books I'm using... Right now I have books stored elsewhere, I have a lot of ebooks. Uh but there's something accessible about I understand myself as a self preservation Enneagram nine. And that helps me understand why if there's some conflict among my friends that I just go find somewhere and lie down. I, yeah. And just stay there yeah indefinitely until mm-hmm. the conflict is resolved i mean you know probably the most helpful navigating mythology in the world right now is the india dog twitter account uh,
1: <laughs> really have
0: you seen the india dog no
1: i'm pretty bad at oh
0: my gosh all it is is like a type a situation and a gif of a dog doing something uh- <laughs> so it'll be like a type nine when you tell a type nine, we need to have a serious conversation. It's a dog that just falls over and lies <laughs> down. <laughs> I love that. And so things like that, like, um they just help you get through the day.
1: Yeah. I think it's sometimes really scary and appropriately so to be so seen. Or um it's sort of jarring. Um and so when, it, when we experience that kind of, like, jarring or resonance with um, a story about someone else that we resonate with or a story that's meant to be about ourselves, like, as the Enneagram kind of presents these stories, I think there, it's important that we ask, is that a true story? Or some people are looking for security in stories, right? And some people... Are like it's the opposite it feels really scary, scary, scary to have a story be true, and sometimes it's somewhere in the middle, right um, but to me that the whole that whole process of resonating with stories um and testing stories feels like a important thing to do as humans, like to use that freedom that we have to say like, well, but is this really true? am I Am I projecting something? Am I just um, kind of resting in a fantasy of, about a story that I want to believe that's either bad or good? Sometimes we have fantasies that like we we resonate with a story and call it a bad story, and then we say it's us so we can self-reject. Or sometimes we need a really good story to tell so that we can feel good about ourselves. And the Enneagram doesn't present bad and good stories, but you can hear them. At people so Sometimes people hear them as bad and good, or someone presents them as bad or good. And so I think, um, it's that freedom vulnerability element of being a conscious human being where there's a deep vulnerability when it comes to having a story be true about us and having that story maybe be true about other people. Um, Hmm. it moves against this individualism, especially that we live with in Western culture, um, but it also gives us a responsibility, I think. Um, and, and so if you believe the stories or if you practice using the Enneagram stories, um, then, then you might resonate with that. But then if you, if you don't, um, you might have a fear, like, I don't want to be responsible to a story that might not be true. But then I would just say, you don't have to hold the Enneagram that way. Um, you don't have to hold the Enneagram as a predictor of your behavior because that's not what it is. Hmm. Um, because you are also, we have varying levels of actual freedom in our world, right? Like there are some people who physically are just not free. Um, and we don't have freedom with regard to the kind of biology and bodies that we come into the world with. There's a lot, we don't have freedom to, change how people have treated and mistreated us. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of unfreedom, but then there's also some kind of freedom in us that allows us to respond to our vulnerability. And we have to be responsible with that. And I, that's one of the big, we have to, and we get to like, there are some ways that we are not beholden to our, vulnerabilities that we think we are and there's some ways that we are that we want to pretend we live in a fantasy that we're not Hmm. and so to me the enneagram is just about coming to reality and so that's why i like the skeptic i like the skeptic because the skeptic says is this real and that's a great question but we can ask it in lots of different ways Hmm. not just scientifically
0: so we want to have this conversation with you in person
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, So here's what I'm going to do. If you go to mikemccarg.com slash (laughs) Enneagram BS, there'll be a form there you can fill out. Uh, Annie and I would like to come to your community. We just need a room and a way to get there and we can work all that out. But if you're interested in that, uh, just go fill out that form. If you think you have a room and a way to get us there. And we can figure out those details together. We'd like to kind of take this... Um, On the road. Skeptical and open exploration of the Enneagram. Uh, because the, the skeptics are so left out of the conversation at this point in our culture. So, it uh, Absolutely. Also, if you'd just like to know how to engage Annie more, she does some... Uh,
1: workshops workshops and retreats. coaching and
0: retreats so where can they learn all about that
1: you just go to enneagram for wholeness.com or my instagram which is at enneagram e-n-n-e-a-g-r-a-m for f-o-r wholeness
0: It's amazing it didn't occur to me that someone might not be able to spell enneagram that's called the curse <laughs> of insider knowledge well annie thanks for coming all the way up from Orange County. Wow. Man.
1: Let's just say I came from Scotland. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that, that seems more feasible to me than Orange County.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for talking. I have really appreciated conversations about how to hold the Enneagram. You know, the philosopher in me, I studied philosophy and language before I studied anything else. And um, I'm I'm interested in the system's that we hold this stuff with. And I'm interested in the why, um, which is why I was never a great scientist, but why I'm really interested in engaging um, scientific inquiry. Cause I think these are all just ways of trying to make meaning of our experiences in the world. So let's, let's talk to people about it. Invite us to your, into your place and we will come talk to you. I think that these conversations get more and more interesting the more that We have specific questions Um, um, because there's really specific reasons that we're skeptical. And I think there's millions of specific reasons that come from people's experiences. So it's fun.
0: Ask Science Mike has been brought to you by the graciousness and generosity of my patrons on Patreon. If you'd like to join them, just go to asksciencemike.com and click the Patreon button. You can learn more about it. Literally a buck a month really helps. This episode was produced by Greg Nordine, and um, I've been your host, Mike McCarg. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I'll talk to you next week.